0: Well, good morning, everyone. Randy's songs really did fit fit the, uh, the the text of the sermon today. I think think most of the most of the praises in the songs are backed up by uh, the scripture that we have this morning. So we just said the B I B L E. That's the book for me, and uh, I hope that is uh, kind of the center of our. Part of the center of our life, along with God, uh, God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. Who um, the the Word, the Word, the Bible is an extension of who they are. They actually, the, the Word actually shows us uh, who who God is. Um, I'll be first in Psalm. Um, 19 for a few verses and then Psalm 119. Have a bit of a lengthy introduction here though before we go to those uh, scriptures. Last Sunday, Kendall preached a message on following the example of Jesus in what three ways was that? <laughs> following Jesus' example in, let's see, did they all start with the same? Uh, prayer, they rhyme with these, prayer, care, and sharing, sharing the word. So, and I had just read through Psalm 19, and I thought a sermon on the supreme worth of the word would be timely, because prayer and the word certainly go hand in hand. And so, we'll spend most of our time in Psalm 119, but uh, first let me tell you about that psalm. It's an amazing psalm. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's also the longest chapter in the Bible. Actually, it's a long poem of 22 stanzas, and each stanza contains eight verses, so eight times 22 is... 176 verses, a long, a long poem. And the reason it has 22 stanzas, stanzas is that the poet uh, that wrote, wrote this psalm chose to begin um, each stanza, each each of the eight verses in the, each stanza with a, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The Hebrew alphabet has twenty-two letters, so I'll just give an example. So, if we were, if he was using our alphabet, all eight verses of the first stanza would begin with an A. And there are eight verses, and the reason there are eight verses is that the poet chose to use eight sen- sen- synonyms of the Word of God. Um, in those eight, in each stanza. He, no, he didn't use them in every stanza, but he, he chose eight synonyms, and every stanza has six to eight of those synonyms uh, used in in the verse, in the stanza I mean. And here are the eight synonyms. He uses the word, these are all words that mean the same thing as the word of God. The law, he used these words, law, statutes, Precepts, command, and commandments; ways, decrees, word, and promise. So every verse uses six to eight of those uh, those terms describing the Word of God. Uh, never in the same order. <laughs> uh, so uh, the poet spent did quite a bit of work and. And writing this long poem, twenty-two stanzas, eight verses in each stanza. Almost every verse refers to the Word of God by using those synonyms that I mentioned. And I think this shows how much the poet loved the Word of God and how much he wanted to honor and celebrate the Word of God. So he, quite an artist, of uh, quite a literary. Artwork that he did. Uh, Who was the poet? Though the psalm doesn't have a name attached to it, many scholars think it was David. And um, I'll be referring to, uh, we'll be looking at some verses in Psalm 19, which is a psalm of David. And it's very, very much like uh, the verses in Psalm 119. But whoever the poet was, he certainly was one who was passionate passionately devoted to the word of God, and he believed it to be the word of life. Um, By the way, the word of God, the Bible, is not just a wooden book that we revere and enjoy. It It is actually the word that God himself gave us, so God... Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, being the author of the book. So we we devote ourselves and uh, love for God. And so therefore we also uh, love his word, which explains to us who he is. So it may have been David, but this author of the poem, uh, Psalm, was a humble person. In, in the psalm, he admits his failings time and again, and he prays for the word of God to bring correction in his life. The whole psalm is, is mostly a prayer. He talk, the, the, the poet is talking to God. And he also uh, acknowledges the pain of God's discipline in, on his life, and he rejoices in the fruit that the loving, loving discipline brings. The poet also suffered at the hands of those who arrogantly disregard God's word. They sometimes, his enemies heap shame and reproach on him, but he clung to God's promises knowing that God would never forsake him and see him through the hard times. The word of God, the Bible, why is it it so important? We largely learn to know God through the Bible, Psalm 19, which I'll refer to, uh, does say that the heavens and the sky and the sun speak to us without words, their voices heard throughout all the earth as we, um, as the heavens declare the glory of God. I left the pavilion, it was one night after the practice or the play, and uh, drove up the hill out of Nate's pavilions there, and just a... The sky, you drove up into the sky, and uh, there was the constellation very low in the sky that had the three stars in a straight line up top and bottom. I don't know the constellations, but anyway, very impressive. And so I drove on over to the chapel then and, and um, let the Lord speak to me through the majestic night sky. Why is the Bible so important? I have four reasons here, and I, I've gleaned these from a book, Reviving the Black Church, and it, the author is a black man whose name I can't pronounce, but I, I would highly recommend the book. It's a very good book about church and about the importance of the word, and, um, but anyway, why is the Bible important? The word of God teaches us to reverence God. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is a whole duty of man, the Bible says. And so if we're going to have a reverent heart to, toward God, it'll be a result of being in the word and having a right response to the word of God. And if, if we if we as individuals and as a church center on something else other than the Bible, whole lot of voices out there, a whole lot of things to read out there, a whole lot of things to listen to. Uh, if we center on something other than the Bible, we will lose our fear for God. So the Word of God, if we read it, meditate on it, it will, it will help us to have a reverent fear of God. Why is the Bible so, in, um, so important? If the Bible is the center of our faith, we will be able to discern the will of God. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. If we as individuals or if we as a church no longer pay attention to the word of God, we will lose our way. We will no longer be able to discern the will of God because the word of God reveals to us the will of God. Why is the Bible so important? If we as individuals or as a church don't pay close attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ as given in the Bible, we will run the risk of losing the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Neglect the Bible, uh, then we may end up with a social gospel, a liberation theology, a prosperity gospel, and I'm mentioning those because they they those those camps have some problems, <clears throat> or we end up possibly with a woke agenda or a political a philosophy that guides us and um the bible shows us tells us jesus christ um uh, in the bible shows us what the true gospel is, and so let's pay attention to the word. <laughs> so that we don't lose the true gospel. <clears throat> Why is the Bible so important? The Bible is vital for our very spiritual life. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, in Philippians, is a verse that says that we're to hold fast to the word of life. Our very spiritual life depends on the spiritual food that we receive from the Word of God. If we neglect the Bible, we will die. <clears throat> now let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to Psalm 19 for some verses. Like I said, the early part of the song says that that the sun, uh, yeah, the sun, the heavens, and the sky proclaim to us the glory of God. They speak to us without words. But then, in words, here in the rest of the chapter, the revealed word of God. uh, Isn't it amazing and great that God revealed himself to us? He gave us his word to show us who he is, what he's like, what his ways are, and how, uh, what, what we humans are and how he showed us our sinful condition and he showed us the truth and he showed us salvation in Jesus and he shows us how to live in the word of god okay <clears throat> we'll start at verse 7 and this is somewhat verse by verse <clears throat> Oh, one thing I meant to mention earlier is that um in 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 psalm one nineteen um, although the the poet used a, used a, used eight terms to describe the word of god uh seven of them are more um instructions that the bible gives but then also he lists promises in 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 the word, and the instructions require obedience, following instructions takes faith too, but the promises then require faith, we believe the promises of God. Okay, Uh, Psalm 19, uh, beginning at verse 7, the word of, I'm just going to read the verses and make a bit of commentary on each verse. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. That's verse 7, part of verse 7. God's God's word is perfect and good and right. And uh, there's so much in this world of sin that is depressing. And the perfect word of God shows us the truth, shows us light, shows us goodness, and it refreshes the soul. Also in verse 7, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. This is Psalm 19, verse 7. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise and simple. There's, there's so many decisions to make in life. And we're too inexperienced, uh, too short-sighted, too simple to see the long-range effects of our decisions. But God's word is trustworthy, and we can be sure that if we base our decisions on the Bible, uh, even though in the short term there may be hardships resulting from these decisions that follow the Bible, we can know and be sure that in the long term, all all will be well. Our Our human wisdom alone is woefully inadequate, but with the Bible to guide us, We can make wise and good decisions. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving hope to the heart. We all need hope. Uh, Lose hope and we will despair. There are things in life that are really hard, uh, even impossible. But with God and with the this verse says, precepts of the word of God, there's always a way forward. Maybe not as fast as we would like sometimes. But there's always hope, because the word of God always gives a way forward. Last part of verse 8, the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Radiance. Uh, one of the Christmas hymns has... Uh, talks about the radiant beam of redemption, I think. Radiance, the light of the word is not a dimly lit path. Follow the Bible, obey the Bible, and the light of the word would be bright to show us the way to go. There is promise and instruction for every situation in, in life. We need to be looking for it. We're called to search the scriptures, to find the word, That speaks to our situation. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Righteous uh, both here and in Psalm 19. That's one of the, the poet's favorite terms describing the word of God, that it is righteous. The Bible moves us to a reverent fear of God which results in living the will of God according to the word of God. The instructions of the Bible are firm and right and sure. Verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. is a verse... uh, in Psalm 119 verse 72 that says the law of the, the law from thy mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver way more valuable than money is the word of god yes the word of god is sweeter than honey honey but i found some verses in Amos who talk about the opposite uh, for those who reject the word of God, he was writing to Israel, and he said, "There are those who turn justice into bitterness. You have turned justice into poison, and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness." That's that. That's when some someone disregards the word of God. Verse eleven: By keeping them, by keeping God's word, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. There, There are plenty of dangers lurking in this world. The tempter is setting his traps, and he's luring us to his bait. But the word of God warns us of those dangers and keeps us on a safe path. Verse 12, who can discern our errors? And then the poet prays, forgive my hidden thoughts. The Bible does shows us, show us our failings. Even those we're, we haven't been aware of, we sometimes have good intentions, but we uh, use faulty judgment. But the Word of God then shows us our sin, and we can cry out for forgiveness and be cleansed. And then the Bible shows us how to correct our ways. It shows us how to live, right to live right the next time in such situations. Verse 13, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will blame this and innocent of great transgressions. So so we have our un, unintentional sins and they're bad enough. And they are forgive, forgive, forgivable. But God wants, God wants us to keep us from them. He also wants us to keep us from willful sin, which is more serious. And so if we listen to the Bible and we obey it, we will be spared of making great transgressions. Verse 14 is also a prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, my Redeemer. If we meditate on the word of God constantly with the intent to obey it, then our thoughts uh, and our words and our actions will be pleasing to our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. May our words, our meditations, and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to God. I want to live under the smile of God. Don't you? Now we go to now we go to Psalm one nineteen. Welcome to, and we'll look at the first two stanzas of the psalm. Psalm 119, this first stanza would have all started with the letter A if we were in the English alphabet. The second stanza would have all started with the letter B if it were in our alphabet. Each verse would have. And it would have used, it will will, will use six to eight of the, the synonyms describing the Word of God. Blessed are those who walk, whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of God. The directions that the Word of God gives us will show us how to live without blame. And Jesus. You notice the word, it says blessed are the, we, we often say blessed, <laughs> blessed are those who are who are blameless, who walk according to the word of God. And that's this, um, well, Jesus used the word blessed too in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit and so on. This blessed means fortunate, spiritually prosperous, and experiencing life joy and satisfaction, the life joy of of satisfaction of God's favor and salvation, regardless of outward circumstances. Those who walk according to the word of God are favored by God. Verses 2 and 3 also use the word blessed. Blessed, blessed are those who keep his commandments and seek him with all their heart, They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Again, the word blessed. Those who keep the word of God, seek to God with all their whole heart, are blessed. They're fortunate. They're spiritually prosperous. They experience the joy and satisfaction of having God's approval. Verses 5 and 6 are a prayer. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your degrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands so if we're really reading the Word of God, listening to God speak to us in the Word of God with uh, intent to obey the Word of God, then we don't when we read the Bible we don't have to feel really ashamed. we know we don't live perfectly, but if we're really in intending. Attend, obey the word of God, then we don't have to live in shame. Verses 7 and 8, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn of your righteous laws. I will obey your degrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So there we have praise and prayer. Praising God for his righteous laws, for the righteous laws that we're learning. And I say thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you that we can understand it. Thank you that you're helping us obey it. Thank you, Lord, that you do not forsake us. And you certainly, God doesn't, certainly doesn't forsake us when we're suffering for doing right. Thank you, Lord, that we can suffer for Christ's sake, for the sake of doing right. And, and if we you know, some, sometimes been rationalize uh, in a situation and think, well, if we if we really do this God's way, it's not going to turn out well. we people won't treat us right. They won't be happy with us. So on and so on and so on. But if we think that we can disobey the Bible and so that uh, we'll avoid trouble. Actually, we're just bringing more more trouble on ourselves, by not taking God's way in difficult situations. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your degrees. Actually, I will obey your degrees. Do not utterly forsake me. God will not forsake us when we're following his word. Verses 9 and 10. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? And then it gives the answer. By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. We live in a sin-stained world, a sin-saturated world. There's all kind of ways that we can be stained by sin. But the Bible shows us the right way to live, and I'd like to say in a sense all of us are young. Uh, none of us has the wisdom to make the right moral choices all the time on our own. So God in his grace has, has given us his word to guide us along paths that's a sure blessing. God keeps us out of trouble. His word will keep us out of trouble and uh, out of damaging ourselves in sin. and God's law, God's word, does God doesn't intend to restrict us or limit us from having a good life. Rather, do the restrictions and the disciplines of God's commands actually keep us from straying into sin, which always brings trouble, always brings trouble. How can we stay on a path of purity? By living according to the word. Seeking the Lord with all our heart. Which means seeking his word and listening to his commands. And obeying him. Verse 11. I have hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The last verse, previous verse said that we will seek the Lord with all our heart. Now... The poet says, I have written, I have hidden your word so that I might not sin. So it's seeking the word, searching out the word, finding out what it says, then hiding it in our hearts. Seek and hide. Seek the Lord, search the word, and hide the word in our hearts. And there's a word for every temptation. We can turn away temptations. Uh, just like Jesus did when the Satan tempted him, Jesus had a word, had a word of God that he, he 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 confronted Satan with, and it kept him from sin. Seek the word, and then hide the word in your heart. Verses 12 to 14. Praise be to the Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I will recount, recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I will rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Praise the Lord, he has given us his word. Praise the Lord, he has given us understanding of his word. Praise the Lord, he gives us grace to obey his word. And this verse also of prayer also says that with my lips I will recount the law that comes from God's mouth. So let's let's read the word. Let's read it out loud at, at church and at home. Let's sing the word of God. Let's speak the word of God to our brothers and sisters and to our, our neighbors. Verses 14 to 16. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I read that one. I will meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I will delight in your degrees. I will not neglect your word. I think there's, especially when we have times where, where we don't know what to do, which direction to go. Maybe there's two directions, maybe there's two ways that don't seem they. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure which way to go, but then as we meditate on the Word of God, as we search the Word of God, and in time if we're seeking the Lord, I, I think I would say that in time if we're seeking the Lord, He always will make the way clear for us, in time, in His time. There's a way forward. And then when he shows us the way, it's it's reason for great rejoicing. I will not neglect the word of God, the psalmist said. We should say it too and mean it. We're so privileged God has given us the written word of God. It is right at our fingertips. Let's not neglect it. It must be the center of our individual lives, and at the center of our church. We need to read it. We need to seek it and search it and hide it in our hearts, meditate on it, speak it, sing it. It will keep us from sin. And knowing and obey God's word we will experience the smile of God on us. It is spiritual food for us. It will maintain our spiritual life. It is better than gold. It is sweeter than honey. I'll close with um, personal testimony. I get up every morning about ten to six. Sometimes I sleep a little longer. And then I take a little donut. If I'm, if I'm weak, I take two, and I have a half half a cup of coffee, and then I go to the spot on my couch beside the daily Bible, and I enjoy the donut a little too. Uh, too much and and endure the coffee, endure the coffee because it 's hot, and then I read, I read, well, I pray, I rejoice that I have the Word of God, I pray that God will show me something about himself, something about myself and how He wants to change me, something for the day to teach me something for the day. <laughs> And I read the Old Testament reading and the New Testament reading and the Psalm and the proverb, but I'm a simple man. I don't I don't remember very well. I don't retain very well what I read and hear. Um, I'm a little like the the story I've ever heard of a young Native American Christian. He was sitting by the the lake with is uh, one of his elders, and he was talking about this very thing that he he said he reads the word of God, but he remembers so little. And the his elder uh, had a basket there, and he told him to uh, take the basket and uh, go down and bring him water from the lake. And so he he did, and came back, and the basket was empty, and and he sent him several times to to bring him water from the lake, and the young man was upset. He said, well, I, I, can't, I can't get the water to you. The basket is like a sieve. But the elder said, but the basket is clean, isn't it? And I, sometimes I feel like that's the way the word of God is to me. I remember it uh, some, but not too well, not as well as I'd like. Maybe I don't pay attention enough. But I love the Word of God, and I know it brings me cleansing. And though I don't, I'm not able to discern how much of a difference it makes, I know it makes a difference in my life. I believe the promises that the Word says about itself, we read some of them this morning, how the Word of God helps me and guides me and keeps me from sin and changes me. Um... I love God who gave us the word, and I love Jesus Christ, his son that he's given us, the son of God, the living word that lived here among us and gave us wonderful words of life. And it is the very personification of every good thing that the word is, the written word is. I'm a weak and sinful man, but I know in spite of my shortcomings I'm under the smile of God. I love his word. I love him. So let's rejoice in the word of God. Let's seek the Lord with our whole heart and seek his word too and hide it in our heart. And then live by it and speak, speak it at every opportunity. May God bless you real good.